there's a commercial on TV that has been playing for probably two or three years now. And I can't stand this commercial. Couple in their mansion of a house. She walks in, places two fitness trackers on the counter, says, I got us something. One for you, one for me. Now I know what you're thinking. Sean, you don't have to watch commercials. God created the DVR, so you don't have to watch commercials. <laughs> Just record stuff and fast forward through them. That way you don't have to be annoyed by this commercial. I'm old school. I watch my Wheel of Fortune live every night, 6.30, channel 7. I'm old school. I got to watch it live, and so I sit through these commercials. One for you, one for me, she says. One for you, one for me. He says, I love it. I got us something, too. Takes her by the hand out into the uh, driveway of their probably, I'm going to say, three-quarter of a million-dollar house and says, I got us something, too. One for you, one for me. Two brand-new GMC vehicles, a truck and an SUV, probably totaling, I'm going to say somewhere in the range of about $110,000. I have questions. I have questions. First of all, what does this couple do for a living? <laughs> what does this couple do for a living that he can go out, that they live in this huge house, and this is not like you know, a uh, boomer couple uh, who's been saving their whole lives to go out and buy $110,000 worth of brand new vehicles for Christmas. This is a young couple who I don't know, I don't know what they're doing, but somehow they have afforded this lifestyle. Question number two, who in their right mind goes out and spends $110,000 on vehicles without consulting the other person in the relationship? How does that happen? I know what would happen in my house. I'd be buried in that vehicle. You did what? I have questions. Like, when did Christmas and gift giving become the point? When did buying more and more extravagant outlandish gifts and, and, and don't get me wrong, GMC's not the only one that does this. Like, there's the Buick commercial, I treated myself. There's the Lexus commercial with the gigantic red bow. You know what I'm talking about? The Mercedes every single one of them, it's like, you need to buy yourself a car for Christmas. Really? When did Christmas become all about the more elaborate, outlandish, extravagant gifts. We <laughs> have bought into this idea that we need to give bigger and better gifts. Like we have to outdo ourselves year in and year out. Like we have to do better than we did last year. And, and the, the thing is, is that we put so much pressure on ourselves and so much pressure on one another to go out and get these bigger and better gifts. We have to find the perfect gift. And usually, perfect equals expensive. <laughs> we got to find the per we put all this pressure. I got to find the perfect gift and we we rack up uh, so much debt trying to find the perfect gift or the perfect gifts. And we go armpit deep in debt, 
trying to make sure that we get the perfect gift for somebody. When did Christmas become all about finding the most outlandish, extravagant, outrageous gifts? We started a series, the Christmas series, a couple weeks ago, and it's called Simple Christmas. And what I wanted to do was to take three weeks and talk about getting back to what the simple message of Christmas is really all about. And so we started by talking about a simple story. God sent his son into the world, born in a manger, born in the city of Bethlehem, to die for our sins, to die for your sins and mine. It's a simple story. Last week we talked about a simple couple, Joseph and Mary. Just two ordinary people whom God had picked for an extraordinary purpose. This week, we're talking about a simple gift. Yet this simple gift really isn't all that simple at all. But it's simple to receive. It's simple to experience. And that's what we're going to talk about for a little while tonight. We're going to look at several different passages of Scripture. And so it's going to be hard for you to kind of bounce around in a Bible. We'll put all the words on the screen, and we'll put the words on the screen at home uh, that you're watching on. Um, we, uh, we're going to look at the most famous, probably the most famous Bible verse in the entire Bible. It's John 3.16. If you went to Sunday school like a little as a little kid, you probably had to memorize it. If you went to summer camp, if you went to church camp, you had to memorize it. If you spent any time in any kind of youth group, you've had to memorize John 3.16. It's the most famous Bible verse of all. And it's so simple. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you uh, have your phone available for your, uh, to use the GFCC app, I encourage you to pull out, the, pull out your phone now and use the GFCC app. If you haven't gotten the app yet, you can go to your app store and search for GFCC, and you can download our church app and follow along with the sermon notes and the Bible verses there. There will be some blanks to fill in along the way in just a little while. But John 3.16, for God so loved the world. I want to break that verse down for you just for a minute. For God so loved the world. What does that mean? It means that God loved the world so much that he chose to demonstrate that love for the world. His love for the world is unconditional. He loves everybody in the whole wide world. Everybody. Unconditionally, with an unlimited and unselfish kind of love. God loves the world so very much. This is a message that you will not hear in anywhere else, in any other religion, that there is a God who created us and who loves us so very much. He loves you, he loves me, he loves everybody. Everyone all over the planet. People who, um, who, who don't believe in God, he loves them. 
people who persecute Christians. He loves them. He loves sinners, the worst of sinners, and the best of saints. He loves us all so much. One of my favorite authors and pastors is a man by the name of Steve Brown. And Steve Brown says this, that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Wow. What an amazing thought. Because Jesus is very lovable. You would think that God loves Jesus. Me? Not so lovable. But yet God loves me as much as he loves his son. God loves the world so much that he did something about it. He demonstrated. It wasn't just words. He didn't just shout out across the cosmos, hey world, I love you. No. God demonstrated his love. He showed his love. And he showed his love by giving us a gift. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. In other words, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you do not have to fear death because God has a gift of life for you, a gift of eternal life, and not just any life, but an abundant life, as the Bible says, a fulfilling life. A life filled with God's love. For God loved the world so much that he gave us his son. And he sent his son into the world to die for the sins of the world. Now what, what does that mean? I want to look at a passage from the book of Romans. And uh, We'll put the words up here on the screen. I want to start in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. This is what Paul wrote to the church at Rome. He said this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. It is because of our sins that we have to die. And sin, he says, Paul said, entered the world through one man. That was Adam. God created Adam and Eve, put them in the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, he said, I want you to do for me just one thing. Just one, there's one command that you've got to follow. Just do this one thing. Don't eat from this tree. There's one tree. Don't eat from the tree. And everything will be fine. Everything will be good. Everything will be copacetic. Just don't eat from this one tree. Enemy comes along, the devil, serpent, says, hey, did you see the tree? You should try the tree. Eve says, wow, that looks really yummy and tasty, and, and I, I can be like God if I eat from the tree? Serpent's like, yes, you can. Says that Eve took some fruit, ate it, and gave it to her husband, who was standing there, and he said, no, woman, I will not eat from this tree. God said, do not eat from the tree, and I will not eat from the tree. That didn't happen. Adam said, hmm, fruit, woman, and ate from the tree. They disobeyed God. And when they disobeyed God, sin entered the world. 
and we've all sinned. Every one of us, man, woman, child, young, old, rich, poor, red and yellow, black and white, the brown ones too, we're all sinners, every single one of us. We've all sinned. We're all in the same boat, like I like to say. We're just rowing with different oars. We're all sinners. And sin entered the world through one man, Adam. So what was God going to do about sin? What was God going to do about this sin problem? Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 15, up here on the screen. But the gift, see, God gave us a gift. The gift is not like the trespass, not like the sin. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? So instead of giving us, uh, instead of allowing us to just die, God says, I'm going to give you a gift, a gift of life. I'm going to give you a gift. The, the New Testament was written in ancient Greek. And the ancient Greek word for gift that we translate as gift, is the word charisma. It has as its root the word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, charis. That's the Greek word for grace. So when we talk about the gift that God has for us, it is a gift of grace. You see, we talk about God's grace and God's mercy. Mercy is not getting what you really deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Grace is getting a gift. Have you ever been like really frustrated with somebody or upset with somebody or mad at somebody and it comes around to christmas time and it's like oh man i gotta buy a gift for uncle phil uncle phil made me mad he threw potato salad at me at the family picnic oh, i gotta buy a gift for uncle phil he doesn't deserve it but you go out and you buy a gift for uncle phil because he's your uncle phil and even though he doesn't deserve it, you give him a gift anyway. That's grace. That's what God does for us. We don't deserve the gift. We didn't deserve the gift of his son. Yet he gave us a gift anyway. That's his grace. That's grace. Getting what you don't deserve. We don't deserve the gift of Jesus. But God gave him to us anyway. Verse 16. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. So we've sinned. We do all the sinning, and God does all the forgiving. We've done all the sinning. Many trespasses, he says. Many. And, and, and if we're honest, if we take a look in the mirror and go, <laughs> I'm a sinner. And I know my sins all too well. He says, the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. That's a great word, justification. It's a, it's a legal term in the Greek. It's a legal term that, that describes a, a courtroom scene where the charges are brought and the charges are dropped. And not only the charges are dropped, they're never brought again. I liken it to when you were a little kid in a classroom with a, a, a blackboard. How many of you had like a chalkboard, blackboard in the, in the classroom? Do you all remember that? Now they have dry erase boards. So actually, they don't even have that. They have like computers and stuff that puts it on a screen. And it's like Star Trek stuff. 
You see, Star Trek was a show back in the 1960s and 70s. But if you remember the blackboard, if you remember the chalkboard, the teacher would write on it all week long and write all these notes and things like that, and it would erase it. But there would still be dust on the chalkboard, and there would still be the marks, and you could still see what was written there before. And then you would go home on Friday, and you would come back to class on Monday, and you would walk in, and the janitors, the custodians had been in, and they had cleaned the blackboards. They had washed the blackboards, and it was like all the dust was gone. All the marks were gone. It looks like nobody had written on it at all. That's justification. That God knows not just forgive your sins. He wipes the slate completely clean. And then he covers you in Teflon. And says nothing else is going to stick to you. All the charges have been dropped. All the charges have been forgiven. And no more charges will be filed. You are free. You are justified. And it's a gift of God's grace. Verse 17. For if by the trespass of the one man, that's Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Then not only are we given forgiveness, but we are given a promise that we will rule and reign with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Like we are elevated. Our status is elevated. God doesn't hold, us against, hold it against us anymore. He doesn't say, well, you know what, lousy sinners, yeah, I, I'll overlook it, I'll forgive it, I'll, I'll wipe the slate clean, but you know, you got to stay down there. No, he says, he gives us a promise of elevating us uh, to ruling and reigning with Jesus. How amazing is that, that I'm such a wretched sinner, and yet God says, I'm going to elevate you, and you're going to rule and reign with my son forever and ever. What? It's incredible. Verses 18 and 19. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Then because Jesus obeyed his father and went to the cross and he suffered and he died and was the perfect sacrifice for your sins and mine, because he went to the cross and because he suffered and died, our sins can be wiped away and washed away and completely forgiven. And we are not condemned anymore. You are not condemned. You are given a promise of eternal life. If that's not a reason to get out of bed, is that not a reason to celebrate Christmas? I don't know what is. I don't know what is. It's a gift. The, the very first Christmas gift was Jesus. It wasn't what the wise men brought to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It wasn't oh, uh, St. Nick, the jolly old fat man, handed out presents out of his bag. That wasn't the first Christmas gift. The first Christmas gift was Jesus, given by God to us. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like we, we deserve wages, right? You go to work and you get wages. When you sin, you get wages. But the wages of sin is death like eternal death and separation from God in hell. That's the wages of our sin. But God says, I don't want to give you your wages. I want to give you a gift instead. And that gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus. 
And it's all done by grace. It's a free gift. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough for it. You can't do enough good deeds for it. You can't buy enough presents for needy kids for it. You can't. You can't do any of that. It is only by God's grace that you can have this gift. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says this, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's not your good deeds that save you. It's not your good deeds that keep you, keep you saved. It's not helping little old ladies cross the street. It's not paying for the person's Duncan behind you. You ever done that? Did you hear about the one in Minnesota? It was like 12 hours of people continuously paying for the person behind them. I think it was 900 people. Like 900 cars went through. Here's my question. How did they get 900 cars to go through Dairy Queen drive through in Minnesota in December? I've lived there five years, cold, cold. The last thing I want in the middle of December in Minnesota is a blizzard. And I mean that two different ways. You can't do anything to be good enough to earn salvation, to earn this gift. It is a free gift, not by works so that you can say, well, I deserve the gift, or I'm better than you, so I deserve more of the gift. We're all in the same boat. Begging for grace and receiving grace. And so I have a challenge for you this year. Challenge for you this Christmas. If you've never received this gift, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, my challenge for you is this. Receive the gift this Christmas. Receive the gift this Christmas. And so how do you receive this gift? How do you receive this gift? By grace. Through faith in Jesus. So how do you express your faith in Jesus? you got to believe. you got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. you got to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that God raised him from the dead. you got to believe. can't be saved without faith. You need to repent. And that means to have a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. It means to turn away from a life of sin and turn to a life of following Jesus. You need to repent. You need to confess your faith. You need to acknowledge your faith publicly by confession and confessing Jesus as Savior and Lord. And you need to get baptized. Because when we get baptized, God washes away all of our sins. There's nothing special about the water. There's nothing special about the person baptizing you. It's, it's your faith. It's an expression of your faith. And I encourage you, if you've never taken that step of faith, like, our water's always like 95 degrees, ready to go, warm and ready to go. If you're ready to be a, become a follower of Jesus, we are ready to baptize you. We've got clothes that you can change into and everything. You can do it tonight. You don't have to wait. And if you're not ready to do it tonight, come grab me after the service. Just say, can we have a conversation about my next steps of faith? Absolutely. The answer to that question is yes. Let's talk about your next steps of faith. If you have received this gift, if you are a gift receiver, if you've already got this gift, then my challenge for you is this, share the gift this Christmas. Share the gift this Christmas. Tell somebody about the gift you've received. Like, if you are living in that three-quarter of a million dollar house, and they say, one for you, one for me, I love it. Oh, gosh. I hate that commercial. It's a car. You don't love a car. 
I love it. Wouldn't you tell people about it? My guy or my girl bought me a $55,000 car for Christmas. And you'd be telling people, wouldn't you? You'd be like, <laughs> telling people. You've received an even greater gift than an SUV. You've received the gift of eternal life, salvation, hope, love, joy, peace through Jesus. You've received this incredible gift. Why don't you tell somebody about it? Tell somebody that Jesus loves them, that God loves them. And so I want you to make a plan. I want you to make a plan about who you're going to tell about Jesus this Christmas. And there's a couple of ways you can do this. One, you can invite them to come to a Christmas Eve service and just say, look, I'm going to go to Christmas Eve Wednesday night at 630. I would love for you to come and hear this, uh, a, a message, an inspiring message about Christmas at our Christmas Eve service. I'd love for you to come and hear about the story of Jesus. Or maybe you're going to come at four o'clock on on, on Thursday. Or maybe it's just like, hey, here, here's a link to our online site at my church, and I'd love for you to tune in and check out our Christmas Eve service Thursday at 4 o'clock. Or I'm going to go at 5.30. Why don't you come with me to our Christmas Eve ser service Thursday at 5.30. Invite somebody to a Christmas Eve service. Invite them to tune in. I'll tell you what. Invite them to, to tune into this service on demand. It'll be on demand tomorrow morning about 7, 7.30. It'll be available on our website. And just say, go to gfcc.net and watch our service from last night or from this weekend. I think it'll change your life. Invite them to church. Invite them to Christmas Eve. Invite them to tune into a service or share your story of like what Christmas means to you and what a difference Christmas makes in your life and about the gift that you've received. When we're kids and we get a gift that we really like, we tell everybody, don't we? Do you remember going back to school after Christmas break? Do you remember that? What did you get for Christmas? What did you get for Christmas? What did you get for Christmas? And we, always, we tell everybody. You know, and then and, and, and it was like, I got this shiny new toy. I got a skateboard. I got a video game. I got this, that, or the other thing. And then there's always some kid who's like, uh, sweater. <laughs> This is better than any sweater, my friends. It's better than any skateboard. It's better than any video game. This is eternal life through Jesus. It is a simple gift that changes absolutely everything. And my prayer for you this weekend, my prayer for you now, is that you will receive this wonderful, wonderful gift that will change absolutely everything.